Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Hope you had a good week. And uh, no thank yous at the beginning of this episode because it was just me last week. But I think we may have forgotten to thank Richard from the week before. So huge thanks to Richard for joining us the episode before last. Uh, I hope you found last week's episode useful for a bit of a reset to think about your well-being for the new year. And I think today's conversation also is going to be really valuable, uh, particularly for thinking about maybe goals that you have for yourself this year, in particular the financial side. So we're joined by Lindsay and we are getting into financial well-being, um, a little bit of practical advice around debt, around saving for for life things that you, you know, really want to have. Um, and I guess I um I'm not really one for New Year's resolutions anymore, but thinking about goals and what I'm working towards and also with my partner kind of what he's working towards as well so it's it's that sort of new new year energy although I think this is something you absolutely can do any time of the year to really think about what it is you want your life to be like um what it is you are working towards I find that when I do have that sort of goal um I can be more focused I can be more tolerant of maybe the areas of my life that aren't quite the way that I want them to be if I can kind of see how they are helping me towards something that I do want and I think it also can be really great to check in and maybe to think about things to let go of that aren't serving you and they are not you know part of how you see your, yourself or your life or any of that kind of stuff so yes money 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 <laughs> money mindset uh, financial well-being are massive stresses for lots of us it's something we've covered a couple of times on the show before um, and I think it's really good to have a reminder and to to think about again. And it's definitely something that it has caused me stress <laughs> before in my life. So yeah, it's um uh, yeah I think such a worthwhile conversation to have. So let's dive in and hear from Lindsay, and I'll be back super quickly at the end. Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest Lindsay to the podcast. So Lindsay welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi everyone thank you so much for having me Hannah. I'm Lindsay. I am your money BFF and I help 20 to 30 somethings become more financially secure and you do that through things like investing and figuring out how much you spend every month. I'm not a big budgeting person and I like to give a lot of practical tips. A little bit about my background. I have been financially secure to at least some extent pretty much since I graduated from college through using a lot of the systems that I now teach to other people. And I worked in corporate for about four years before I got laid off last year due to COVID. And after that, I was like, well, might as well start my own business since I don't have a job now. And financial literacy and financial wellness is something I'm so passionate about because it affects 
everything about your life. If you don't have enough money or if you don't feel like you have enough money, it can really wiggle its way into these other aspects of your life. And I just want to make sure that everyone doesn't have to worry about money to the extent that they don't need to, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I think it's such an important topic. And I um, definitely, I don't know, I feel like maybe particularly when I was younger, before I even got to the kind of 20 something, if I'd known some financial literacy stuff, might have saved me a lot of headache in my 20s, to be honest, because I, um, you know, when I turned 18, and I don't know if it's the same in the US, but when you're 18, that's suddenly the age where things like credit is open to you. And, you know, and if you're going to, to university, going to college and taking on that debt as well, and that's very different in the UK and the US. But I feel like I didn't really know what I was was doing with money. Um, Do you find that a lot with people you work with that they're sort of trying to unpick this mess that they've got into? Yeah, and I don't know how it is in the UK or in other places, but in the US, financial literacy is not something that people are taught in school, even though it's way more useful than like chemistry or (laughs) physics. And yet we're taught that in school. So when it comes to people that I talk to, a lot of times the only financial background or the only thing they ever heard about from money was from their families. And sometimes that can be really positive. Like I grew up in a financially literate household and I'm trying to pass that on to other people. And I feel very lucky to have been in that situation. But most people don't know. And a lot of times I feel parents feel ashamed of their own lack of financial literacy. And so they fail to pass that on to their children because they feel like they don't know enough either, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I think I'm trying to think about what my my family is financial literacy and it kind of, I think not great, but it's interesting because my dad is an accountant and that's kind of in my day job mm. what I've gone into. But I think that's there's a real difference between that kind of like business head for finance and personal finance. I don't know if you'd agree because I think for the person it was so emotionally driven. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I like to say that personal finance is 80% psychology and 20% knowledge and strategy. And but a lot of times if you don't have that knowledge about the psychology, then you can't do anything. So it's all interconnected. Could you tell us a little bit more about the kind of the the financial psychology, the money psychology and, um, you know, important things that we should know if we want to be more relaxed, less stressed around money? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So one of the biggest things, and I know this is a sensitive topic for a lot of people, but a lot of people feel guilty about overspending. And the reality is they may or may not actually be overspending, right? It's all about your perception of what you're doing. And so if you don't know the numbers behind what you're doing, then you don't really know what's going on with your financial situation, right? But a lot of times, What blocks us from assessing our financial situation, which is the first step in my method is to assess where you're at, is just the fear of of what you're going to find out, right? Like, oh my gosh, like I don't even want to track my spending because I'm so afraid of what I'm going to find and then it's going to make me feel guilty. And I don't know if you cuss on this podcast, but... (laughs) um, it, yeah, it makes them feel, it makes people feel bad. Even when I track my own spending, sometimes I'm like, oh man, I spent a lot more money on clothes this month than I would have liked. But it's just that awareness is really the first step in getting over that hurdle of being scared of what you're going to find. 
and just being kind to yourself is going to help you so much. I mean, I think that's like one of my key messages on the podcast about being about awareness generally, and then being kind to yourself because I mm-hmm. think so often we cannot be. And, and it's funny actually, because I, a lot of my poor, poor financial decisions and stress involved, like particularly in my 20s, getting into a lot of debt, taking on a lot of, um, you know, buying stuff I couldn't afford because I was, you know, getting on credit. Um, and it was comfort spending and comfort shopping because I wasn't in a very good place in my mental health. Mm. And it was that, uh, like trying to, in some way, be kind to myself and cheer myself up, but ultimately not. <laughs> and yeah. So in this hole. And then I'd get back to a point where I felt a bit more solid, like ground, and then like look back at this like carnage that I like, made <laughs> and go, oh, now I've got to fix this situation. And yeah, it's hard. A lot of people end up in that place. And I feel like, a lot of people, when they start out, they don't, they know it's bad, but they don't understand the damage that they're doing because we're not taught in school. Again, that credit card debt in particular is one of the most destructive types of debt that you could get into. And some people just don't have a choice but to spend on credit, but other people that could have afforded or could have made changes really beat themselves up about it because they don't realize that for every hundred dollars they spend on credit, they're going to pay 120, $130 instead of just that hundred. So it really digs them into this hole. Yeah. And it's definitely something I think, and I mean, I don't want to just get into like complaining about financial <laughs> sector, but, and it's a very difficult one because sometimes, like you said, people need credit and um, and need that support because they can't make ends meet otherwise. And that's a whole different discussion to have yeah. about why people can't afford to make ends meet. But, you know, actually, when if you can take on a lot of credit and then people are kind of, you know, to start with, you know, if you've got a good credit rating to start with, people will give it to you. And then it, I think it can be quite easy to take on more than you can handle and not know that actually it's going to get to a point where it's going to be a massive stress and have a huge impact. And yeah. And a lot of times it becomes cyclical, right? Because you feel bad and then you spend, and then you feel bad that you spent and then you spend more. And it's just, it's a really hard hole to dig out of once you're in there, but it's totally possible. So many people are able to dig out of that hole. So it's not an impossible task. Yeah. Well, seeing as we're on this issue now, (laughs) (laughs) And it's possible. Can you tell us a little bit about if anyone's listening and they're like, oh, yeah, that like that's totally me. Where where to kind of start with that digging out from it? Yeah. So the first step I would tell anyone, no matter what your financial situation is, whether you're in debt, whether you're not and you feel okay, start tracking your spending. I wouldn't even say budgeting is your first like needs to be on your mind. I personally don't budget. I mean, not traditionally. Um, So track your spending, track every single thing that you spent money on that month. So what I do is I just do it once a month. It takes me about an hour, hour and a half, depending on how many transactions I had that month. And I get out my Google sheet that I've made. If any of your listeners want it, they can just DM me on Instagram or I can put it in the show notes for you and they can just download it. Um, And you plug in like, okay, I spent $10 at... Wendy's. I don't know if you all have Wendy's out there. (laughs) This is the first thing that came to mind. Or like I spent, you know, $30 at the bar or whatever, and just go through each of those things. And you don't need to judge yourself or anything. And then it'll add up by category, like what 
spending category you're in. And then you'll see like, okay, this is how much I spend every month. And then take in how much you took in that month. So if you're on a fixed income, like a salary or something, that's very helpful. Or if you're not, that might be a little bit more stressful. Um, but compare those and see if you're even saving anything per month. And if the amount you're saving is something that you're comfortable with, that would be the number one step for anybody listening. Yeah, thank you for that. And it's something when I've looked at it, and I think it's really, um, you know, doing it all in one go like that and looking at it, because I think sometimes we don't realize what we're spending. And then when you look at it and you're like, we don't have Wendy's, but say like Starbucks, because that's well, like McDonald's yeah. or something. And you're like, I've been, I've spent so much money in Starbucks this and like, <laughs> and you can just like not realize because it can be so easy to just like wave your card around or whatever. And when you actually are sitting there and you're like Starbucks, 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 you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And some people have different ways of tracking their spending. I talked to somebody once who said, that she was tracking her spending every day. And I was like, how's that going for you? And she said, well, I don't really have any, I don't, it's not working. And that's because you're not looking at it over a period of time, right? Like one month is a pretty good indicator of how you're doing, but two months, three months, four months, years is always going to be better because you have more data. Yeah, I, I did actually, I think I blogged about it. And then I was like, really like the shame stuff when you've got doubt. But I was like, I, I sat and I think I did like six months and I wrote it out Mm. because then I was literally physically (laughs) writing it and that was a real like okay I can see (laughs) (laughs) I can see what the pattern is I can see where it's going um yes that was you know really helpful um so say we've got you know people listening and they're like well I'm not like in huge amounts of debt but it still stresses me out or I you know I want to have a bit more security or I want to get somewhere like buy a house or whatever that kind of thing is. Do you have any advice for anyone in that kind of situation? Yeah. So again, even, even if you're like, I feel fine, track your spending. Assessing is always going to be the first step you should do. Um, the second thing in that assess step is to evaluate your mindset and what's important to you. And that's huge and something most people skip because they're so excited about saving for whatever that thing is. But Um, there's this personal finance person, his name's Ramit Sethi, and he wrote a book called I Will Teach You To Be Rich, which I recommend to everyone everywhere. Um, And he has this thing called conscious spending. And what that is, is spend a lot on the things you value most and ruthlessly cut everything else. And that is really part of the mindfulness of spending money, right? First identifying what's really important to me. So for me, for example, Um, hanging out with friends is really important to me. Buying new clothes, not so important. I think I got this shirt that I'm wearing from TJ Maxx, like, which is a discount store in the US, like probably three years ago and I still wear it. But yeah, so clothes aren't important to me, but I know that spending time with friends is, and I know that I want to, you know, retire early, right? So those can be some of your goals. So I can spend a little bit more on eating out with friends and I can feel okay with that, But if I spent, you know, a lot of money on clothes, that's probably out of alignment for me. And that out of alignment-ness is what's going to make you feel bad. So that would be the first step. And then the second step would be to prepare. That's the second step in my Grow Your Money system. And in the prepare stage, that's when you identify, okay, when do I want to reach this goal? 
and then work backwards. So for example, me and my husband have been talking about buying a house in three years. So what we did was, okay, this is how much money we have that we want to put down for a down payment. This is how much we have now. This is how much we need. So I did how much we need divided by the amount of months until we needed to get there. And then I was like, okay, we would need to save this much every month to reach that goal. And that could be realistic. It could not, but at least you know what you would need to do to get your goals. And I love money for this reason, because there's so many other things in life that there's no way to quantify like, oh, how happy I am in a job or like, should I have kids? Questions like that. And, the, and money is just so easy to know how you're going to get there. So interesting you say that, because I think that then it taps into that kind of money mindset thing, because, you know, you're saying it's so easy to get there. And there might be other people who are like looking at that. And I sometimes, and I'm trying to work on not falling into this habit of thinking about buying a house and going, how am I going to get there? And, and I work with money in my day job and I can map it out, but there's, you know, I think if you've had a difficult relationship with money, maybe mm-hmm. we've heard a difficult message, you can have a really different view of that kind of mapping it out. And so I think that's just, yeah, a great example of the mindset. And Yeah, it's moving from being in this place where you feel just trapped and confused and anxious putting it into basically a math problem, a very simple math problem. I still use my fingers to count. I'm not a math wizard. And then making it more solution oriented than victim focused. Yeah. I guess it's again, like mindset, it's what you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. Because if it's like, it's just, it's just a problem to solve. What's the solution rather than it's this massive problem. I can't get yeah. past the problem. Yeah. And it's always easier said than done, of course. But <laughs> if you implement these steps, slowly over time it will take you far yeah awesome so you've mentioned the first two steps so that kind of assessing where you are and then preparing mm-hmm. can you share feel a bit cheeky but can you share the other <laughs> steps of your, <laughs> your process with us yeah it's just a three-step process and the third step is to execute so actually do the things that you prepared right And I feel in talking to all of the people that I've talked to about this, most people get really stuck in that prepare stage of like learning about all this stuff. For example, I work with a lot of 20 and 30 somethings who want to learn how to invest. And it is so overwhelming to learn how to invest online. It's totally possible. That's how I learned. But it took me five years basically to truly understand how to invest in the stock market and how to do it the right way. And now knowing that I'm like, man, if I would have had somebody that would have just taught me all that, I could have made millions of dollars more throughout my lifetime. But I digress. Um, The third step is to execute. And this is the point where not a lot of people even get to it because they're so stuck in that prepare stage. So in the execute phase, you just do everything that you plan. So for example, um, if you're like, okay, I want to save $300 a month for a house then you make a plan to do that. You execute it. You um, either make sure that you have a day of the month where you're always sending $300 to your savings account, or you set up automatic payments to yourself so that it's essentially acting like a bill. So those are just some examples of how you can actually execute or open that retirement account or open a new savings account or something like that. Yeah, I've, um, and this is something probably just UK specific. Um, I'm the kind of person that, I can save for a bit and then suddenly I'm likely to like take that back for something, maybe because I've not been preparing or whatever. 
But um, in the UK, there are help to buy ISIS, which is like a special saving account. And there is like a tax um, benefit. There's some extra support for buying. But you can only, yeah, there's like a bit of a rebate or something. I know, but you can only touch that money to buy a house or when you retire, you can't take it back out. So that's amazing now I've started it. And as I've got, I was gonna say only, but actually I've got 900 pounds in there towards, you know, a house deposit, which is not gonna get me anything, <laughs> but I can't touch it. And, and there's a little bit of a tax benefit. So that's like magic. Cause it's knowing myself and knowing, yes, I can settle that up, but maybe, you know, I, I might have got into like an emotional cycle. I might have overspent. And then it's, if I know it's there that I can touch it, it's like psychologically, you know, <laughs> relying on it. But if I know I can't touch it, but it has to go on what I want it to go on. And I, and I know in the UK, I think there are some accounts where you can take money back out, but there's like a, a period of time. It's not immediate. And I don't know if you've got stuff like that as well, but I find that helps me. I'm like preparing for, I guess, kind of failure, but I'm like putting stuff in to stop myself failing. <laughs> yeah. And that's a psychological technique that you have used because you know yourself that well. Right. So in psychology, I don't know if you're like familiar with a lot of psychology stuff, you kind of have a psych type podcast. Um, but there is this, a lot of studies have shown that willpower is a limited resource. Have you heard about those studies before? Yeah. So basically what it is, is willpower everybody tries to rely on it to get to their goals, but really it's, your brain can't handle it that much. And we're constantly resisting things all day. Like right now, I just got a text message and I'm resisting the urge to check it because I'm on a podcast. And um, sometimes, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, you're like, ah, I have this chocolate bar downstairs, but I know I shouldn't eat it, right? And you're resisting all these things and eventually your brain runs out. And that's why towards the end of the day, you tend to snack more or you tend to like have less motivation to do things. It's because your brain's tired. And so tricking yourself into saving more money and making better financial decisions is absolutely the way to go than like trying to have this willpower all the time. So doing things like you're doing, Hannah, like having a separate account that you know you can't pull the money out of is a much easier way to go than trying to resist like pulling out of your savings all the time. Yeah, it's funny you said about chocolate. I've got a giant bag of sweets here next to me because I'm getting married next week. Scary. And I know. And I was making all the favors up, right? So I had all these favors, all these sweets. And I literally have, I'll show you, people might be able to hear this. Like, this full of sweets. And I am struggling to resist it, particularly this afternoon. I'm just like constantly because it's right there and it's you know and it's been a long day so it just yeah <laughs> that's so funny I just got married last month so I feel like I remember a week before the wedding it was so stressful so props to you girl uh, well, and that is another oh another financial stress with weddings and I <laughs> without derailing the conversation into that but um I don't know with with your wedding whether you paid for the whole thing yourself or whether family had some input and for for our wedding our family my family very graciously has had some input but that comes with a whole lot of um stuff <laughs> yeah I feel you on that and what and I don't want this to stress you out so I feel like I shouldn't say it 
but now I've kind, I'm kind of already halfway there. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> we also graciously, my parents footed like the majority of the bill, um, which we're very lucky to have had that. But I still, you know, had more of like a smaller budget type wedding. And we spent about two thirds of what the average American spends on their wedding. And uh, I calculated how much that would be if we just had put it into the stock market. Cause my parents were like, do you want the money or do you want the wedding? And um, if we would have put it into the stock market it, in 37 years, we would have had over $300,000. It's just, yeah, like, you know, we, we want to buy a house. And so it's slowly starting to save for that. And probably, yeah, if we didn't have a wedding, it would have gone quite a way towards, <laughs> towards that. Um, and my, my parents also, the majority of it, they're, they're covering. And actually our wedding, it's not really tiny UK kind of size, but it's pretty kind of small and um but the, the the average wedding cost in the UK I think now is something like 25 30,000 which is just I don't know if it's the same in the US it just feels like such a staggering amount of money yeah in the US it's about the same with the conversion I think it's around $33,000 in the state where I live California it's like $39,000 um which you can adjust that in pounds or whatever but uh yeah it's wild and the thing is I don't regret spending that money at all even knowing that I could have had three hundred thousand dollars more when I was 65 I made that choice consciously and I think that's another thing that you need to do in the assess phase like what's important to me I didn't want to go my whole life knowing that I didn't have a wedding because I love any excuse to throw a party and walking down the aisle I'm like gonna cry right now walking down the aisle and seeing everyone I love in one place after not seeing them for a year and a half because of COVID, like the hardest year of a lot of our lives was the best moment ever. I mean, I used to be really kind of like anti having a wedding for some reason. And then I it was going to like cousins weddings and seeing everyone and thinking like, I want to have those pictures like with my parents and, you know, have those memories. And yes, it's just like one day. And like you said, it's going to be so nice to see everyone together and that there'll be a little bit, we're still going to be cautious, even though all the restrictions are lifting, legally lifting on Monday. Um, but it's, it's going to be so nice to have some kind of normality, like pre-COVID normality and see people. But I think it is those memories and those pictures and those, you know, that, um, that, you know, I look at from my, my dad and my stepmom's wedding, they've got pictures of my grandparents who aren't with us anymore. And it's just you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to and hopefully it will go fine and, you know, be enjoyable. But um, yeah, financially, I think that's another thing to think about. And some people would be thinking, no, I want that. I want that 300,000. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just, it. there's no right or wrong answer. You just kind of have to decide and stick with that decision and let that be that. Yeah. I mean, now I'm probably like, oh, we could have done some things differently. And, you know, but then I think it's, I guess it's why the, you know, the assessing and preparing before you execute, because actually some of it you can go, well, oh, well, if I like thought about that a bit more or done a bit of re more research, not too much and got stuck there. But I think sometimes if you, you can jump into stuff and then go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have um, done that. Or maybe there's a better option. Yeah. And it's the same thing with a wedding or a party or 
whatever. It's the same thing with investing, especially, or managing your money to do the research, but not get stuck in that phase because it's so easy to get stuck there because there's a million opinions on the internet. There's no shortage of information there. You can find anything you want to. It's just what's actually true and what's actually useful. Yeah. And do you have any, um, for anyone who's interested in investing and that's something that you can support people with or any other kind of trusted places that people can go for information? Oh, yeah. Again, that book that I talked about, um, Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Um, I can send you a link for that if you want to put it in the show notes. There is another book I'm currently reading and have also heard a lot of good things about and also like called The Simple Path to Wealth. Um, both of those books can be applied broadly about 80% of it. Of course, they touch on US retirement accounts, but in other countries, they're often just equivalents. You could look up like, oh, Italy's version of the 401k or whatever and see if they have it. Um, those would be some places to start. I also have a free workshop on how to start investing. And I talk about the grow my grow your money method, the assess, prepare, execute stuff in more detail. And then I also talk about some of the biggest mistakes I see first time investors making. And, um, those are some of the most trusted resources I would say. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And the general principles I think will apply to the UK and actually the UK for things like retirement and pensions, there's a pretty kind of, um, you know, like legally companies need to provide a pension and all of that kind of stuff. So it's a more kind of, um, there unless you opt out kind of system rather than, you know I don't know it feels like it's more complicated in the US I don't know if that is or it's just kind of yeah yeah that's really great that you all have an automatic enrollment in a 401 or in a pension we don't most companies here don't do that but for the companies that do more people end up signing up for it because they don't know that they're opted out um anyway I could go on about that forever but being part of a retirement plan as a young person, or even when you're older is so advantageous because you save so much money on taxes. Yeah, I think it's in the UK, it's auto enrollment if you're over 22. And if you earn over a certain amount, I think if you work like more than 10 hours a week or something. So um, and yeah, you have to opt out. And there is like a, a mandatory minimum that you have to put in and also the employer has to put in. So you can put in more, the employer probably isn't going to put in any they'll set their own rate, which might be slightly higher, but probably, you know, <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, a good thing um, to, to save. And yeah, it's, um, I think, again, that's something when you're younger, you know, you can be like, that's ages away. I don't need to worry about, about that. Yeah. I have a couple of these viral videos on TikTok and the more people that see your video, the more dumb things people are going to say, no offense, <laughs> but um. Uh, no offense to all the people who commented, but I get a lot of people that comment like, I'm going to be dead in 40 years. I'm like, you're 30. Like, you're going to be very much alive, statistically speaking. Um, and people, like, they don't want to accept. But I, I don't know any 65, 70-year-olds who have ever said, man, I wish I had less money, you know? Th but there's a balance, right? Like, of course, you should enjoy every stage of your life. But at the same time, if you don't save when you're younger, you're not going to enjoy essentially your senior year of life. And that would suck. Yeah, I guess there's, I don't know where this point will be, but there'll be a point in time where it goes from like, I don't have to worry about it, I'm chilling out to a point where you'll go, oh no. <laughs> you can see it coming and go, I 
have not planned for that. I don't know what age that place is, but somewhere, somewhere in there, I'd imagine. Um, Lindsay, I wonder if you've got, a, I feel that we've been lots of places. Um, do you have a final thought on financial wellness, financial literacy before I ask you my set questions? Sure, yeah, I'd say there's no wrong way to get started. Just get started. Even if you end up in a scam or something, which I hope you don't, at least you've tried to make that for yourself. It doesn't need to be scary. It doesn't need to be judgmental. You will feel so much better after you started. And this is a part of your life that you have so much control over. It will feel so good to be able to do this for yourself. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And yes, so some set questions I ask everyone that comes on and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, the first one is what brings you joy in your life? Dogs, definitely. <laughs> um, you can see the Corgi calendar that I have in my background here. Dogs are big, but also just relationships with other people and friendships and family. That is the biggest source of joy in my life. Awesome. I mean, people are great, but dogs, do you have a dog? <laughs> I don't because we, because we have our goals, right? And so we know, okay, we love dogs, but we don't want to pay for a dog. We don't want to have to walk a dog in a hundred degree heat every day. And we don't want to have dog. I'm also allergic to dogs. So I can um, only have like a set few. So yeah, I'm, I love I, them though. Yeah. We've got one downstairs sleeping, but oh. Corgi crosses may be my favorite thing to look at. I don't know if you oh. Because if anyone hasn't seen them, like search corgi crosses, because it's amazing, because it basically looks like a corgi sized version of whatever dog it is. So like if it is a husky, it's like a tiny corgi sized husky uh, or German shepherd. And because I'd love to have like a German shepherd and a husky, but they're big dogs. But if it was a corgi one, it'd be a small one. Um, so much fun. Sorry. People are great as well. But <laughs> oh, um. Yeah, I could talk about dogs all day. Uh, next, question, next question is, what makes life meaningful for you? These are great questions. For me, community has always been my biggest source of meaningful in life. Um, to get a little personal, I just moved to the town that I'm in. It's about an hour away from where I've lived for the past nine years. And I feel like you don't know what you have till it's gone had all this community I was like part of a church you know had a workplace where I feel like I fit in and now like coming to a new place it's hard but I know that I'll get more meaning out of it once I start putting in the work to become part of the community so I'd say that's one of my biggest um, places of meaning in life and of course being part of a family is really meaningful and important too which is just another community yeah awesome thank you so much um, my next two questions are around our overarching topic on the podcast, which is mental wellness. So the first one is, what does mental wellness mean to you? It's about being not necessarily happy, but at least content with where you're at and the decisions that you're making. Yeah. Awesome. And then my follow-up is always for yourself, what you do to look after your mental well-being. Oh, so much lately, especially in the past year. I make sure that I sleep enough every night. That's always been something very important to me. I work out just about every morning and go for at least one walk a day, which a dog would be a great addition to that. 
And I make sure that I get enough social interaction. So I, on the, if you've ever taken the Myers-Briggs test, I'm like 95th to 99th percentile extrovert, which is extreme. So social interaction, I know that if I don't get that, I'm not going to feel well mentally. So those are some of the top things I do to increase my mental well-being. That's so interesting. I, I love Myers-Briggs and, um, and it's great that the self-awareness, um, I don't know if I've met someone who's such a extrovert because I'm an introvert although I feel like I'm towards like the ambivert level so with when I'm comfortable I can be quite I can be I'm a social introvert basically the types but I don't know that I know many like true extroverts so that's that's fun yeah which is funny because my husband's like a major introvert I don't think I've I think I've met maybe one person who's as extroverted as me like diagnostically speaking but yeah it's it's really intense (laughs) Yeah, I think I feel like my partner is, um, he's an introvert, definitely, um, and a less social one than me. So I feel like the kind of the extrovert one in the relationship, but I'm still an introvert, but a social, a social one. Um, So that's super interesting. Um, So we talked about money mindset earlier. And so I like to ask everyone that comes on, this is often a bit of a challenge, but we'll see how you would describe your own mindset. Sorry, I missed that last part. Mindset about what? Just generally how you would describe your mindset. Oh gosh, currently, that is a personal question. My current mindset is honestly all over the place. I'd say the last year came with a lot of transition and I think my mindset is that I have control over everything I think, everything I feel. Um, Not necessarily the things that happen to me, but I do take responsibility for the things that happen to me, whether they're good or bad. I'd say that's where my mindset is right now, but that can cause a lot of anxiety because it's like I take so much responsibility for everything. Um, But, you know, always working on it, always a work in progress, but really grateful for where I'm at because everything's going really well, objectively speaking. Yeah, that's fab. And it is, it's, um, yeah, some of them are quite personal questions for people. Sorry about that, out of the blue. But it's I find it really interesting because I think everyone that comes on has a different way of viewing mindset or describing their own or even what mindset brings up for them. So it's it's super interesting how, yeah, how different it is. Um, the next one is um, probably not as personal, uh, but it's one of my favorite ones to ask because we like to give people kind of ideas of things that they can do for themselves, just kind of in life in general that could really have a positive impact. So do you have a top one to three tips of things you'd recommend people try uh, that could help them out? Yes, number one is tracking your spending. I know it sucks and it takes some time, but it will make you feel oodles better once you can start you know, making those anxiety, anxious feelings into actual problems with solutions. Number two, I'd say, don't be afraid to invest in yourself. That's one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the past year. I wanted so, so badly to start a business for the past like five, six years. And I tried several times by making like a very small investment into a website, which is like $100 or $200. And then I bought an expensive online course for $1,800 and I hired a coach and I was able to have a profitable business in like six months. And 
I have been addicted to investing in myself ever since because every investment that I make in myself pays off more than the stock market in a shorter amount of time. So that is number two. The third practical tip I would say is get your finances in order as soon as you can. And I know, I know I'm like, that's really scary, but once you get into it and you find out how much money you've been losing to just time, you're going to be angry with yourself because just one year, and I go more into this into my, in my free workshop, just one year of waiting to invest could cost you tens of thousands of dollars, regardless of like where the stock market is at. So those would be my three tips. Thank you so much for those. And then my next question is like a recommendation question. So I love to read. Also a big fan of TED Talks. So um, I know you've already mentioned a couple of books, but you can share another one with us. So um, a, a book or a TED Talk that's been really impactful in your life and that you'd recommend we check out. Oh, I'm trying to think if I want to go the fiction or the nonfiction route at this point. A book that I just finished about a month ago that I haven't really stopped thinking about since is The Midnight Library. Have you heard of that book before? I think so. I've not read it. But... Yeah, it's by uh, Matt Haig. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah. So it's a, do you want me to tell you what it's about or do you? Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> so it's about this woman who like hate just has so many regrets, hates her life. She's like in her mid thirties and is like, I wish I would have done everything different. And she ends up like committing suicide. This isn't a spoiler. It's like happens in the first five minutes of the book. And then she appears at this place called the midnight library. And it's essentially like limbo and she can essentially relive all of her lives that she would have had if she had done the thing that she regretted not doing and, or like made a different choice at some point. And she goes through all these different lives doing all these things. And it makes you think about your decisions in life and where you're at now in a different way. Awesome. I think that's why it sounded familiar because I definitely have read uh, some great stuff that he's written before so that's kind of I've obviously seen it but not read it yet but I'll definitely check it out so yeah I definitely have his other one of his other books on my list like ready to go once it's ready yeah, yeah awesome oh and so I have another question and this one is a newer question which is why it's not like firmly in my head yet and so this one maybe is a challenge because I'm just asking for one thing so what's one thing that would make the world a better place the first thing that's coming to mind is money related and I I don't think this would be if I really had time to think about it, I don't think this would be my answer. But I think if people weren't as worried about their money all the time, I think the world would be a better place. There's so many problems that people think money is causing. And if they could just like at least figure out what's going on with that and not feel as bad about it, I don't think there'd be as many like divorces because they could figure out it'd be like a less stressful or you hear a lot about like just bad things happening because of money and feel like I could definitely dig deeper but that's like my surface level question for now I mean surface level answer yeah well they're all like just like you know what's, what's in your mind but you know I guess it's one of those things if, if people are less stressed and happier then that has like that ripple effect doesn't it so 
Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And then that brings me to my final question. This isn't a trick question at all. It's just, <laughs> it's just where people can connect with you. I know you'd mentioned uh, about a few things that, that we um, could find. Um, where, where, where are you? <laughs> yes. So I am on Instagram and TikTok. My handle for both of those is your underscore money underscore BFF. So you can find me there. Um, my free workshop is in the link in my bio on both of those accounts as well. Um, and you can just watch it for free on your own time, unless by the time this podcast is re released, I have changed something, but for now that's where it is. And you can always DM me on Instagram. I have my DMs open there. Awesome, thanks so much. And we'll absolutely link in the show notes so people can find you nice and easily from there as well. Thank you so much, Lindsay, I really enjoyed speaking with you just generally and like everywhere that we've been on this journey um but also it's always a nice reminder of things you know where I maybe have to do a little bit of focusing take a bit of responsibility or whether there is opportunity to improve things in my life by focusing on an area and money is definitely one of those for me so I really appreciate you sharing everything you did with us today yeah of course Hannah it was so great talking with you congratulations on your marriage Good luck with like all of that. I know how that goes. And yeah, thanks again. Oh, so welcome. I mean, when this comes out, I'll hopefully have had the wedding. So hopefully it will go as well. Otherwise it would be like, I don't know. Yeah, but thanks so much. So a massive thank you to Lindsay. And I really enjoyed this conversation. It was just before I got married and everything went amazingly well for that. It was a really lovely day. Uh, so quite interesting to listen back to it now that we are sort of five months down the line from that. Um, and definitely, uh, I think, worth having spent that money on for the memories and the photos and the experience and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, and I went away after this conversation and I did have a review of my spending as something that I have done previously and I hadn't done it for a little while and so I was very inspired by this conversation to have a look and to think about you know what is going on with my finances and to think about some of those goals I have and I mentioned about the house um, and that is something that I have been saving more uh, me and my husband now um, and so we are still away away from that goal but doing well we have more than 900 pounds now <laughs> so that's good um but yeah it was it was a really good activity to do so I feel that going into the new year I feel in a um a better position financially I feel uh more in control and less stressed um about my finances and really hopeful for the future um I feel like I did a lot of reflecting and thinking about things last year um and in terms of my my own <clears throat> financial stability I guess and debts particularly which is something that I have talked about before on the blog and sort of mentioned um, I feel like this is the year that that will kind of get cleared and sorted and sort of be yeah feel like a fresh start in in many ways so I'm, I'm kind of excited um, about that and um, yeah basically just a massive thank you to Lindsay for the sort of push to look at that for myself and I hope you also took something useful from this conversation um, to look at, you know, your money mindset or financial, whatever, so that you are feeling uh, more happy, comfortable, in control, all of those kind of things. 
Um, and that's it. That's it for today. I'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, as always, please do connect with us on social media. We are at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching across social media. Um, and it would really mean a lot if you would consider sharing the episode with a friend, family, a member, colleague, whoever, someone that you think would also enjoy the show. It really means a lot and helps us to reach more people. Um, but yeah, that's everything. Until next week, as always, take care of yourself, be kind to yourself, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.